Well, well, well. Are you ready to hear from the Word of God today? All right then, Hebrews chapter 3. We're in Hebrews chapter 3 today. If you're in the Pew Bible, I'm actually reading out of the Pew Bible that's right there in front of you or on the table in front of you if you're in the overflow room. We're on page 1062, 1062 in the Pew Bible, Hebrews chapter 3, and if you're following along in your own translation, we are using the CSB translation today. I'm going to begin with a word of prayer first. Join me in prayer. Father God, what a joy it is to stand in your presence, to be here gathered in the power of your Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, and have your Word in front of us. We pray that you would teach us now today so that we can follow you better, so that we can know you better, so that we can worship you all the better. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it interesting how different cultural trends sweep us along one way or another? Uh, all of us. It happens to all of us. Various cultural winds and cultural trends, different styles and lifestyles, they all kind of move us around at time to time, whether we know about it or not. Recently, my brother-in-law and I, Gavin, were about the same age, so we went through about the same version of youth culture uh, in our day, and we were looking at old photos together of ourselves as teenagers. And what can you say about them? except that we thought we were cool, you know, at the time. We thought it was trendy at the time. I was looking at pictures of my brother-in-law, Gavin, and he had, he had the frosted tips on his hair, you know, where you just bleach just the end of it and spike it up a little bit. He was wearing one of those Hawaiian puka shell necklaces he thought was cool at the time. He couldn't quite grow any facial hair yet, but he kind of had a little soul patch coming in right here. I said, Gavin, you look like you're auditioning for a five-guy band. Were you a part of 98 Degrees at the time? That's a very specific reference for a specific generation. But even more so than Gavin said, you know, that's funny you mentioned it, Jordan. I remember seeing a photo of you when you were a senior in high school, and you had the sideburns like all the way down to here, and they were thick and bushy, and they were. They still are. Uh, and I had my hair gelled up real high in front and was wearing baggy jeans, as was the trend at the time. And he said, oh, I didn't know you were such a fan of Dashboard Confessional. <laughs> it's another dated music reference at the time. Maybe I was. You know, periodically when I get to thinking about youth culture today, and I go, man, why is youth culture so weird? All I have to remember is youth culture of my day. It's always been weird. It's just a part of youth culture to be a little off and a little wrong. Think back to the youth culture of your own day with a grain of salt and a slight bit of embarrassment, and you'll understand. I look around at Aaron and I go, what's the deal with mullets? But then at the same time, we were frosting the tips of our hair, so what's that about? And you know what? We're not any better now, are we? I mean, think about adult, adult middle-class culture in America today. Isn't everybody just wearing athleisure now all the time? The trends have taken us. Does your house look like you attempted to decorate it in the Joanna Gaines style? 
everything a slightly different shade of gray. <laughs> we get caught up with trends as well. Beards have been op- awfully popular. It's not just women, it means men too. Beards have been awfully popular in the last few years. The, the burgeoning market uh, for beard oil and ointments has, uh, has exploded. How about, uh, how about on running shoes? Everybody own a pair yet? Yeah, yeah. On shoes. Pick them up at your local clothier here in Aiken. Yeah, we've got our own trends and cultures that pick us up, and you might know about it, and you might not know about it. It just sort of happens sometimes and sweeps through, and you're a part of it before you even think about it. You see, we pick up models for ourselves in our lives, whether it's style or personality or way of speaking. We pick up models for ourselves. We pick up culture. We pick up style. We pick up then lifestyles. We are all doing it at all times. It is a part of the way life is. Living in the culture, any culture, is like a fish swimming in water. You're just breathing it in, and you're breathing it out, and it's a part of you. And if you don't think about it carefully, then you're likely to be swept away in bad directions by bad cultural moments. So, perhaps, let's say you are a new Christian. Some of you are new Christians. And you know that you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you say, I I absolutely believe that Jesus died and rose again. I know that God is good, and if I can dare believe it, I believe that He paid for all of my sins and has forgiven me. I know it. I'm a Christian. You know what, friends? God bless you. But then the very next thing you have to ask about now that you've become a Christian is, how am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to be like? What's the model for my life? Because we're all modeling our lives after different things, whether we admit it or not, or know it or not, or doing it consciously or not. So, as a Christian, how should you live? What is the model for a Christian? We have the answer today in Hebrews chapter 3. We don't have to get very far into this letter. We're just at chapter 3 before the writer has to explain to a group of people just like us, some who had been believing for a little while, some who were brand new to it, who they were to look to as their model for life, who they were to look to as their champion and their hero, and no surprises here, it's their Savior as well, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is both our Savior and our model for how to live. Let's begin reading in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. First, before he goes on considering Jesus, we have to take a minute to remember who we are in Christ. So, it starts off with who Christ makes you to be. And what does he say? Who does Christ make you to be? Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. See, even before we have to go about thinking how are we going to live our lives now in Christ, because you became a Christian, God has already done the work of changing you from what you were into what you are now. We have the status change before we have the lifestyle change ourselves. In Christ, you become a new creation. That day when it clicks for you and you believe and you say, you know what? Jesus is going to be my Lord. I'm going to follow after Him for now on. See, God, who has already been working in your life up to that point, whether you knew it or not, 
is at work in your life at that moment, and He changes you. Scripture says that He first gives us a new spirit. It's His own spirit who comes to dwell in us. It also says He changes our hearts, and our status before God becomes changed, although we haven't necessarily done anything, right? You didn't have time to do much other than have this wake-up moment and say, you know what? This is true, and I know it, and I'm going to obey it. I believe, and I'm going to follow Christ now. And you, you have that moment, you say, oh, I'm a Christian now. In this very moment, our status is changed, though we haven't had time to change our actions just yet. You're usually sitting there listening or sitting there reading. Even then, we go from being sinner to being saint. We go from being stained by sin to washed clean by Christ. Our sins are forgiven, and we get this new status that he talks about here, the very first thing, holy brothers and sisters. See, if you were thinking about your own life today and descriptors for your life, how you might describe yourself, you might describe yourself as, I don't know, sleepy, but holy? You might describe yourself as I don't, kind of witty, you know? You might describe yourself as, uh, you know, average. Uh, you might describe yourself in all kinds of different ways, but would you have chosen holy as a way to describe yourself? And yet, listen, you are already called at the beginning of the chapter, holy brothers and sisters, not by anything that you have done or could do, but by Christ's actions, dying for us on the cross and rising again. I don't care if you believe it or I want you to believe it dearly, sorry. I don't care how you evaluate your life or not. If Christ has called you holy, then you are holy. If He has said your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. Let us keep up with Christ in this. Let us keep up humbly with Him, rejoicing at what He has done for us. But you see, before we can even talk about changing the actions of our lives and how we will live, we first have to recognize that He has changed who we are and our status before God. Number one, first of all, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, holy brethren, and what else? Those of you who share in a heavenly calling. You see, He's not just made us holy and forgiven our sins, that we would go about living the rest of our lives just like we had been living our lives up until this point. To be in Christ is to be a new creation, but to be in Christ is also now to have a purpose for your life. We are participants in a heavenly calling. He has made us on purpose and has purpose for us for all the rest of the days of our lives. The rest of the days of your lives are not what the first days of your life were about. Before Christ, what's the purpose of your life? You're trying to do good, you know, trying to live an okay life, entertaining yourself some, to some degree, maybe making some kind of good, meaningful contribution to family and kids, you just, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a career perhaps. But in Christ, we are not just made holy, but we are called to be participants in a holy calling. God has purpose for us. So, you, dear new Christian out there, you have been made holy by Jesus Christ. And so, joined in to the body of all Christians, brothers and sisters, who have been made holy by Jesus Christ. And it's been done on purpose by God. And now He has purpose for your life. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with this next season of your life? Whatever you're in, as seasons of life come and change, perhaps you're at the beginning of a whole new season of life and everything is changing right now. 
do you know that God has purpose for you in this season as well? He does. Now that we know who we are in Christ, we can talk about Christ as our model. He begins, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Now, here's our example. Consider Jesus. Think about Jesus, he says. Consider Jesus, the, uh, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory and more honor than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who has built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what will be said in the future, but Christ was faithful as a son over the household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and our hope in which we boast. He says, consider Jesus. And what is it we're supposed to be considering about Jesus specifically? How He was faithful and so much more faithful than even the most faithful who had come before him. See, God had given Israel a model of what a good servant looked like in Moses. They were to look at Moses and read what Moses said, knowing even still that Moses had his failures and wasn't able to enter into the promised land, yet he entered into God's rest. And they were to see Moses as an excellent example from God on how they were to live. Moses who stuttered and stumbled and had no confidence, and yet he trusted God. And yet he was eventually, in all things, faithful to God and how God called him. And he followed and obeyed God. The thing you're supposed to consider about Moses is how faithful he was to do what God said. He had some starts and some stops. He messed a few things up, only human, but he did faithfully do what God called him to do. But now, Scripture says to these people who are reading this, there's an even better example, and it is Jesus Christ. Even as Moses was faithful, like some people can be faithful, like a servant, Jesus is faithful as God Himself over all of it. We're supposed to consider how Christ's faithfulness is even greater than those good teachers around you. You guys know what it's like to have a good school teacher. Unfortunately, you perhaps know what it's like to have a bad teacher. But you probably know what it's like to have a good teacher too. To have a good teacher who wants to teach you something, any good teacher who's trying to teach you something new will, will show you how to do it. Someone's trying to teach you something, they'll say, here, let me show you how this works first. Watch me. I will do it. And in a lot of different areas, the, the subject of good teaching is, watch me and I will show you how this goes. You know, if a carpenter is trying to teach an apprentice how to work, the carpenter will say, step one, watch what I'm doing, and you will see. First of all, let me show you I will do it myself so that you can see. Step two, I will tell you how I'm doing it. So I'm showing you, I'm telling you how it is done as well. Then next, now you come and do it with me, and we will work on it together. And any good teacher will eventually say, all right, now you do it so, solo, and I will stand here and watch you the whole time. And then now I'll watch you from further away, and you will slowly learn how to do it. But all good teachers start off by showing you, by telling you, and by doing it with you. Friends, I tell you, this is the good teacher we have in Christ Jesus, who came down 
and lived a perfect life, tempted in every way like we are, and yet did it flawlessly. He has shown us by His own life how we are to live. He has told us by His words, and then God is with us even now as we go about learning how to follow Him rightly. Consider Christ our example. Hasn't God spoken to us in every way? You know, these days when you're trying to learn how to do something, you'll find that YouTube instructional videos are invaluable, are they not? How did any of us do anything before YouTube instructional videos came out? I mean, of the great achievements of mankind, like antiseptics and antibiotics and air conditioning and uh, refrigeration, YouTube videos are somehow right up there with us. How did anyone ever learn how to do anything before those came out to teach us things? You know what it's like to have a good teacher. You know from YouTube videos who's a good teacher and who's not, right? There's some good ones out there some pretty bad ones out there too. (laughs) You know what it's like to have a good teacher, so consider Christ, who is the perfect teacher for us, both because He is the role model and the one explaining it to us, and He is far better than all other teachers. You know, while considering Christ, consider how He's talking about Moses here. Even as you and I, dear new Christian, have the perfect role model in front of us, the perfect example in front of us in Jesus Christ, He's not the only one. We are also, Scripture teaches us, to model our lives after more mature Christians than us, after those who have gone before us. This passage saying that Jesus is greater than Moses, it doesn't mean suddenly that you throw away Moses. It means you understand what you can, but He was only so good, and Christ is all the better. So there's still praise and accolades for Moses and appreciation how he obeyed God, even when God sent him into a king's palace with nothing but a stick in his hand. Likewise, we are to be faithful to what God has taught. We simply have the better example in Jesus Christ. Joshua had a great example in Moses. Elisha had a great example in the prophet Elijah. You don't understand that uh, that Solomon learned from King David, his father, how to be a good king. Timothy had Paul. Timothy also had his mother and grandmother who were training him up. What I mean to say for you is... By all means, find good Christian role models around you and live and speak like they are because they are seeking after Christ. To one of his churches, the Apostle Paul says, guys, start off, just imitate me. And it sounds arrogant at first, but Paul says, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ, and shortly hereafter, you will be on the same path imitating Christ as well. We are to have good role models. If you're asking the question today, okay, I'm a Christian, but now what? How do I live my life for Christ? Or I've arrived in this new season of my life, and what does it look like to live for Christ? Look to the role models around you. I mean, literally, we're not in this alone. As you know, and as many of you asked about today, I've I've always had a great role model and example in my father, Excellent pastor. Since some of you asked, there he should have there's seven hours ahead. So earlier this morning, he would have preached his second sermon at that little uh, base in Germany. It's, not, it's a giant base, the little church next to the giant base there in Germany, uh, where just a bunch of young service men and women who were stationed there, and so a bunch of kids too. They had a big COVID baby boom uh, over there, and so there's about 130 of them gathered together, and. I have a dad who's willing to go over there, who's saying, my ministry is to my grandchildren in this phase of life, but I still got to leave them for seasons to go and do the good work of sharing the gospel with other families and their children, and I'm blessed by this. I had a great example, but not perfect. You see, I know his mistakes. 
I was there for them. I saw them. But I had a good role model and one that I would follow after. And, and all the more, though, we have Christ as our role model. You know, last Sunday night, uh, we get to share on Sunday nights. Uh, sometimes our Sunday night sermon includes a, okay, you tell me, when did you see this happen in life? And we're able to do some responsive things. We're all in one room together, uh, and it's fitting for Sunday night. Last Sunday night, uh, Sylvia shared with us uh, beautifully. We are talking about when was something, when did something happen in your life that was way better than you ever expected it to be? What happened in your life that was way better than you ever expected it to be? And Sylvia said, you know, my home life growing up, wasn't the most loving. And so when I married Leo, marriage and home life was way better than I could have ever expected it to be because I had this great husband and father and friend in Leo. You know, Leo, for many of us, is one of our role models as well. Certainly is for me and has been. For you too, perhaps, who knew him. You see, we have these role models in Christ, dear friends, go and find you some good role models that you can look up to and imitate. But all the more, know that even as we follow them, they're following Christ, and so we are to consider Christ the primary example for how we live our lives. So, today I encourage you, as Scripture says, to consider Christ. This passage focuses primarily on His faithfulness and obedience to God, and this is the primary way we consider Christ, but let's talk about it together. Who is Christ, and what did He do that we should consider Him? First of all, as our passage says, He was faithful, perfectly faithful. Dear Christian, you who have decided you're going to follow Christ, the high calling for you is to be faithful to God. This means holding on to your confession that Jesus Christ is Lord at all times of the day, every day, in all situations, whether at work or at home, around friends or around family. To be faithful for us and to consider Christ in this way means we live for Christ and to honor the will of God no matter what's happening in our lives. It's not just at some times, it is all the time. He was faithful. Who is Christ? He was obedient to the will of God, even to death. If you are going to take up Christ as your role model, then it will mean that you will learn to be obedient to the will of God, no matter what it calls you to do. Christ was self-sacrificing. And so, if you're a Christ follower, it means in one way or another, we all have to lay down what is ours whether possessions, time, or our lives, for other people. Christ was self-sacrificing, literally. This church, I think, is very good at honoring our soldiers, honoring people who have uh, offered their lives, who have risked everything for the rest of us, for our peace and for our freedom. I tell you, though, self-sacrifice is not just for soldiers, but for all Christians, in one way or another, we all are called to risk greatly, to be willing to sacrifice ourselves for each other. And I tell you, if you're following Christ and following Him rightly, there will come occasions when you will have to give of yourself for others so that they can know Christ, so that they can follow Christ, so that they can come to Christ as well. How is Christ our example? Well, He's compassionate. How is Christ our example? Well, He is really all the fruit of the Spirit. You recall, Paul 
lists off in the book of Galatians, his letter he wrote to a church in Galatia, he lists off what he calls the fruit of the Spirit, these virtues, these characteristics, these traits that start happening in your life when the Holy Spirit is at work. You become a Christian, Holy Spirit comes on you, and the rest of us can all see it because the Holy Spirit starts bearing fruit in your life. Things start changing, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's just a joy to see this happen, to see friends, to see children, to see teenagers come to trust Christ, and suddenly you see in this person something that wasn't there before, gentleness. Suddenly you see something in this person that wasn't there before, (laughs) self-control, and you know where it's coming from, that the Holy Spirit is changing them and bearing fruits in their life. Well, as we consider Christ, You must know that if the Holy Spirit is bearing these fruit in your life, it is because it is who the Holy Spirit is. If He's changing us to be like Him or like Christ, then it means those very traits and virtues of the fruit of the Spirit are who God is like. Have you taken a moment to consider this before? God is the fruit of the Spirit. That's why they are how we are changed to be. That is to say, as you consider Christ, and this passage suggests, first of all, consider that Christ is loving. Did you know this? Christ is loving. Christ is joyful. This may be news to you, but if the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, then that means that God is loving, that God is joyful, This means that God has peace and is peace. It means, I got great news for you today, God is patient. It means that Christ is kind to us and that Christ is gentle with us. It means that Christ is self-controlled and though angered over sin, never out of control like we are sometimes. Consider Christ who is all these things, and rejoice, dear friends. But while you're rejoicing, also change your life to fit these virtues. See, given as as culture swims in us and we swim in culture, each culture, each subculture, each group in society tends to value different traits, you know? There are certain traits that are somewhat quintessentially American and Uh, applauded by all Americans, and they're not bad. Individualism, rugged individualism, even better. Being self-made, these things are good. They're They're not wrong, they're not bad. You're also to understand that all cultures have negative values associated with them, as all culture is made by broken sinners, and so is broken and sinful itself. But let us know for sure that we will cultivate the values of Christ. Love, faith, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Consider Christ and let us make the virtues we pursue in our life be the virtues of who Christ is. We don't often use the word catechism here in Baptist circles, but many of you know that word. Many of you may have gone through catechism. Let's see it. Who went through catechism of one way or another? See, a lot of traditions do this. Uh, Popularly, Catholicism is very serious about uh, catechism. So is the Anglican Church. Many Presbyterian churches do this as well. Uh, 
Uh, lots of churches who do a sprinkling of babies, uh, at, sprinkling of babies as babies, I guess is the way I'm going to say that, uh, then we'll go on to do a program called catechism. You could just use the word discipleship if you wanted, but it's the idea. A catechism is a manual that you open it up, and it's supposed to teach you everything about the faith. It's supposed to teach you various doctrines and how you're supposed to live and what you're supposed to do. Now, there are Baptist catechisms out there if you wanted to go and look them up. There are some that are nearly 400 years old now. We don't much use catechisms here, but we do this sort of thing, don't we? I mean, our children's Sunday school curriculum is on a very specific cycle so that if your children are attending Sunday school here for three or four years, their curriculum cycle would have taken them all the way through Scripture so they would have heard it all one way or another. We're intentional about how we train them up. We're intentional about each other. We don't usually have a separate catechism manual, though. I don't mean to be rude to anybody else. It's because the best way, we think, for you, dear new Christian, is to simply consider Christ and take His Word in front of you, and that this is going to be the best way to do it. Surely, we could also benefit from uh, certain systematic ways of talking about God in the Christian life, but the best way for you to be catechized, dear new believer, is to come and hear Scripture preached, is to prepare yourself beforehand, is to go to Sunday school class, to join a Bible study, and in these ways, slowly over time, wherever you start in here and wherever you go from book to book, you are learning how to follow Christ. Catechized is the word, <laughs> discipled perhaps, being trained. I might also recommend to you, just suggest to you, that we are always, every day of our lives, being catechized by the world, by culture tell you, every show that we watch, everything that we read is trying to compel you that living not like Christ but how the culture lives, that that's the good way to live. You ever watched a show or watched a movie that was valorizing and glamorizing things that you know are wrong and that you're not supposed to do? You ever watched one and thought at the end, I feel like I've just been catechized by the world for a moment. You may not have used that word. You probably didn't. We can retire it. <laughs> it's like I'm being discipled. I could go to Sunday school classes, somebody could tell me about Christ, and then I could just go watch anything, <laughs> listen to anything, and I feel like I'm being made a disciple of somebody else now against Christ. Dear friends, I tell you, dear new believers, those who want to pursue Christ rightly, be catechized by Christ. Become a disciple of His Get you some good Bible teachers, attend Sunday school class, by all means come to church, but then go and open Scripture yourself and consider Christ, our apostle and high priest, the author and perfecter of our faith. Finally, here in chapter 3, verse 7, the writer goes on, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation, and I said, they will always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers and sisters. I say this to you, dear congregation, Watch out, brothers and sisters, 
so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firm until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all those who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it all those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. What does it mean to harden your hearts? He says again and again, so it's really important we understand it, don't harden your hearts. When you hear from God today, don't harden your hearts. What does it mean to harden your heart? It means that they chose not to believe God. They didn't trust Him. They wouldn't obey Him. After all, these are the ones who didn't believe. To harden one's heart today would be to say, I've become a Christian by saying Jesus is my Savior and I believe in Him, but how do I have to live? What do I have to change about my life to follow Christ? And here's the moment of hardening. No, I'm not going to do that. Surely I can still appreciate Christ and call myself a Christian, but I don't actually have to consider Christ or follow Him. See, that's the hardening that we are all at risk of doing, that this author had to write again and again, remember what the Old Testament says, when you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. If Christ is bringing conviction on your life about how you need to change your life or what you need to do differently, I tell you, friends, when you hear His voice today, don't harden your heart and say, Jesus is Lord. Wait, what do I, what do I need to change? No, surely not. Not that. If we're going to cry out to Jesus as our Savior, then we must also cry out to Him as our Lord. If we're going to believe that He is forgiven, then when you hear His voice calling you to obey Him today, don't harden your heart, but give over your entire life to Him. What new season of your life have you come into? Give it over to Christ wholly and completely. Don't harden your heart. What new challenges have risen up in your life? Don't harden your heart and in unbelief say, ah, the way of Christ isn't important for me in this area of my life. Rather, dear friends, consider Christ who is faithful and faithful and faithful all the way until death. Rather, consider Christ who is obedient to the will of the Father no matter what. Consider Christ as your perfect role model, the one who is compassionate, the one who is loving and patient and kind, who has been gentle towards us and self-controlled always and in all things. Make Jesus Christ first in your life. When you hear His words, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts, but rather consider Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You that You are so gracious and so patient to us. Jesus, give us strength not to harden our hearts, but to follow after You rightly and completely. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing praises to Christ one more time today. If you need to come forward, you can.
If you need to come forward and simply spend some time in prayer alone to God, you can. You can just come here and kneel at the altar or stand at the rail. Spend as much time praying to God as you'd like to. Stay as long as you like to. Nobody will bother you, and you can go back and be seated whenever you like. We won't make you get up in front of anybody or anything. If you need prayer today, I would love to say a prayer for you. Just come here and let me put a hand on your shoulder and pray for you today. Anything. I'll come, uh, come forward and I'll pray for you. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, make it public today. You don't have to have the right words. Just come forward and say, Jesus is going to be my Lord too. Just say, Jesus is Lord. And we'll rejoice with you that you've made this commitment. If you need to be baptized, then come forward and let us know. We'll find a Sunday soon, perhaps next Sunday, for you to be baptized on. And if you need to become a member of Talatha Baptist Church, you can come forward so the congregation can vote on you as a member. For whatever reason, now's your chance. Let's all stand up. Let's worship Christ. And you who need to come forward, come on. Page 572. As a reminder for all of you guys, um, Sunday school classes now, I'd love for you to attend Sunday school class, but before or after Sunday school, you're welcome to go write something in the construction site. I'll take the Sharpies. I'm going to put them on the stage in there. You'll know exactly what the stage is once you walk in, but by all means, be careful walking through the construction site. If you're at all prone to be a little klutzy, Take somebody with you and just be careful, okay, while you're walking through there. But y'all, it's been great to worship with you. Uh, I'm going to leave you with Beth to say a prayer real quick, and uh, we'll see you guys.